This is the Scott Bradley Show podcast. Brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio, we call it on Friday. Uh, his name, he's very familiar around here. He's been in this area for a long time and he's done a million things. He's now the host of City Matters on Cable 14, Monday to Friday at 4, or Monday to Thursday at 4 p.m. on Cable 14. Doug, the Deacon Faraway, thanks for coming in. Yeah, I've got a lot of hats, right? You do. There's a lot of hats, which is good because both of us could use one now the sun is out. Because I'm now getting people who walk. Thank you for having me this evening. I get uh, when I'm out in public now. Television does have a certain amount of power. People are recognizing me, and then I'll be introduced to somebody, and they'll, "Are you the deacon?" Yeah, from the old life yeah, on a different from the station. Old life, yep. uh, from radio. Yeah, yeah, that's me. I would have introduced you, by the way, as uh, my best friend Doug Faraway. However, I've been thrown off this week because uh, of a story that I read. That in Massachusetts, there was a mother of a four-year-old mm. at a daycare in Massachusetts. The four-year-old has been sent home and told, don't come back until you stop referring to your best friend as your best friend, because it's very harmful, Doug, to call someone your best friend, because that's exclusionary to the other students, and they all feel bad. How have we got, I mean, how are we at a point now where if you say you're my best friend and you're four years old? You are suspended from daycare because we're <laughs> concerned that the other students are going to be so hurt. This this must be one very popular child. If all the other <laughs> kids are so hurt that they're not her best friend, even though you know how best friends work when you're four years old. Were the other children interviewed regarding their feelings? I, I or is this um, mother... <laughs> who overheard? I'm oh, just think? saying. You think? Did the teacher? Did the principal? Did the school board interview the rest of the kids regarding their feelings? I'll bet you they didn't. And be- besides, the kids were busy. They didn't have time to be interviewed. They were crayoning. Do we still crayon <laughs> with their best friend? With their best friend for that day, because that's how best friends work. When you're four, you're my best friend today, but tomorrow I've got a new best friend because th- you talk to me. Also, form cliques. <laughs> so don't use the word clique. No, no, you can't say them. clique. Yeah. Yes, that would be I that like would be bad too. With her because she's my clique member. Not best friend. I don't think they know yeah. what that one means yet. But yes, the mother said that her daughter came home very sad, uh, oh. told from the Pentucket Workshop Preschool in Georgetown. Yeah. Uh, the teacher told her she couldn't call one of her classmates her best friend. And when she continued, she was then told, you will have to go home if you, per- if told mom was told that she will go home if she persists. Because it's so mean to the other students to be nice to one of them. Yeah. Guess and, you can't have a boyfriend and, when and, you're four. And technically, it is exclusionary. But our language is like that. It can be a whole bunch of things. I'm sure that once upon a time, Gronk the caveman had a best friend in the cave. And it's go, you know, it goes back to forever. I, I, I just love the social engineering that we are trying to bring in out of four-year-olds who want to have a best friend. We've done this forever. We're not talking, best I can tell from the story, no one was playing doctor in the classroom. No one was doing anything that was, you know, inappropriate Inappropriate, of of any way, shape Uh or form. She had a best friend and said, you're my best friend. I I, I hate to imagine what would have happened if she said, I love you. I'm going to marry you. Oh, can you imagine what would have happened if she had said she was going to marry this person? I have something that's even better. In, in their little workplace as four-year-olds in kindergarten, oh, my God, what would have happened if she hugged the <gasps> other child? Oh, oh, 
we would have had the earliest case of sexual harassment litigation going on ever. Uh. There would have been questions about whether or not the hug was asked for, was approved, was signed off on. Did you? How did you feel? Are when- you going to hug everybody or are you just going to hug your best friend? Okay. I am... Uh, I, this would be so ridiculous if it was not actually happening, and yet there we are. That's so. I, I can't call you my best friend, Doug Faraway. You will just be the deacon. The deacon. But that's probably inappropriate because I have no religious affiliation. <laughs> we'll, I, we'll I am not back. listed on any church directory. We'll I come back after, and you don't have a people. big hat, so we'll yeah. come back after the break with the nondescript, non-denominational, non-religious leader, and continue our conversation after this. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. We haven't even started the provincial election campaign, and already we're fighting. Well, not we, I guess, per se, but the candidates, Kathleen Wynne and Doug Ford and Andrea Horvath, I guess, to some degree, and someone from the Green Party, I don't know, and whoever else is in this thing. It's um, Kathleen Wynne, Doug Faraway, by the way, in studio for the brightest conversation at Hamilton Radio. Kathleen Wynne this week predicted that this was going to be a vicious election campaign, which I don't disagree with her, and then proceeded to show how vicious by launching a series of attacks on Doug Ford and his character. Now, you can agree with her, disagree with her, say that Doug Ford is a jerk, say that Doug Ford is great, say she's a jerk, whatever. This is going to be a vicious campaign, relatively speaking, for Ontario, is it not? By I, our standards? I, I, um, our standards have been slipping, um, Drastically, in the last decade, we have become so much more Americanized. Uh, we do research like our American friends did the research for their 2016 election. We just go about it quietly and politely, apparently. And I don't know if we used any Russian upper cheeks uh, to get the information. Or Canadian uh, data mining companies. Well, exactly. Uh, so uh, the way people collect information and, and et cetera, et cetera, and the uh, commercials, the advertisements, et cetera, have become very American. The last election, you'll recall Kathleen Wynne took the high road. I'm out here jogging. I'm staying in shape, saying wonderful things, and let the others make their mistakes. And the conservatives, certainly Tim Hooper, made their mistake. And Andrea Horvath, by moving to the middle and saying that the New Democrats would balance a budget because we're afraid of Bob Ray again, um, they blew the election. And Kathleen Wynne got this out of the blue. Really only until the final 10 days could you see, oh my goodness, they're going to survive despite Dalton McGinty. More than survive. More than survive. Craft another majority. This time around, yeah, she's gone out and she started with the vicious because they know if they're not a distant second, they might even be a third. That's right what now the poll. There was a poll today that polls. says they're now third in, and would, according to this poll, and, and uh, Ontario polls, Canadian polls are really hard. Unlike they're more difficult. Although the American poll certainly screw, didn't get it right last time, because it's not just on. Yeah, it's, how it's do you riding. how do you miss uh, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin? They missed how everything. How do you miss them? But in in Canada with mm-hmm. ridings, you can have popularity across the country, but if certain ridings you know, Toronto, whatever, it throws yeah. it off. But right now they are suggesting, the poll that came out today suggests if the election was today, Rob uh, Doug Ford wins a huge majority and Kathleen Wynne and the Liberals are blown out of the water and have seven seats left. They're not even having party status at this point. So I understand, I suppose, yeah. 
why Kathleen Wynne has come out of the gate rather than those commercials you talked about last time. I remember the one last time. She was running on a country road, just a long, and it was serene and almost, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, lovely and gentle and utopian and grandmotherly almost and all these things. Now she comes out throwing punches right off the bat saying it's going to be vicious. So let me show you how vicious it is by going vicious right away. Here's a good example of vicious. He is the same person as Donald Trump. Yes, that's that. that and, and uh, you know, I, I see a lot of similarities. Yeah, we're going to be the populace. I'm going to run just like my brother Rob won in Toronto. That's how I'm going to run. I'm going to say things that are really popular. I'm going to blow up the head of Hydro One. Okay, at what cost? And you're going to blow up the board of Hydro One right along with them. Okay, how much will that cost? And he's not talking about that. And so until, and we've seen enough editorialists suggesting, until we see a costed conservative plan, because the other guy had a plan, and it was costed, but the other guy's long gone, sitting in some dark basement in Barrie, contemplating, how did I blow that? So Patrick Brown's gone. So what what are Doug Ford's policies other than she's bad, and she's worse. What are the policies? I'm going to blow up Hydro One. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that, and I wasn't going to go here today, but it's funny you mentioned, because I hear the word all the time, that he is he is running on a populist platform, or he's mm-hmm. going to be a populist. By the guy's def- far from a populist. No, but by definition, to win in a democracy, you must be a populist. You can't not yeah. be a populist to be... So by definition, Kathleen, you have to be popular. Well, Kathleen Wynne is running as a populist. She hopes that her her positions will give her more popularity and will be more popular than his or Andrea Horvath. It's a, but I'm as I say, I look at this and I just think if this is where we're starting, if the card that you're playing off the top, if before we've even dropped the writ, if the card you're playing is this is Donald Trump, be I don't, scared, Ontario. I don't She's know. playing the be scared. Where do you go from Ontario? here? Where do you go? We're going to pick this conversation yep. up. We got to take a quick break for weather and traffic. Where do you go if card number one is this is Donald Trump, and you've got another six or eight weeks or twelve weeks, whatever it is, until the election? What is card number two? We'll pick that up. Oh, I right got an answer right after this. Stay with it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show weeknights from six to eight only on 900 CHML. Chatting about the not yet going on Ontario election that is very much going on. Just in case anyone's wondering, and right before the break, I said if Kathleen Wynne's first card that she's playing is the Doug Ford is Donald Trump. That's card number one. What is card number two? And Doug nearly jumped through his microphone before the break, but we had to go to weather and traffic. But what is card number two then? Well, I believe it's the Sheik managed by Abdullah Farouk. Now that's evil incarnate right there. That, that this will be the this will be the next thing that if if Doug if exactly. the Donald Trump thing doesn't work, we'll just keep upping the ante. He'll cheat. He'll throw sand in your eyes. He'll push you over the ring ropes. Are you kidding? So it'll be evil. Create panic. Doctor Evil. Doctor. Um, yes. Yeah, we, we owe three hundred and twelve billion dollars. <laughs> Yes, uh, but but that sounds like that is right now what Kathleen Wynne's plan is, is create panic, create fear. That would seem to be the plan. 
Now, she's put out her platform. I'm not going to say there's not a platform. She's put that out there, but I'm talking about as far as dealing with the opposition. It is, Doug Ford is terrifying, be terrified, live in terror. Shall we continue? Uh, and, and so far, remember, she's only put out a budget. She, the liberals have not put out their costed election platform. Will they? There's, well, sure. Because if I'm steadily not getting any kind of bump, they got a little bump after the budget, and that bump has gone away. Yeah. And the NDP got a little bump after their costed, most of it, cost, some of it, costed <laughs> platform. Um, yeah, I don't know how you do that, Ontario Hydro, buy it back, and this is how we pay for it, flip. I need that one explained to me by, you know, somebody at McMaster, you know, at the school of the Groot School of Business, somebody from there can help us cost the NDP platform. But if the Liberals put out a budget and it gave them a tiny bump and then nothing, and it's a, they've given some details, and the NDP has done the same, if I am Doug Ford, why How do I not... Why do I not sit here and say, I, you know, look, it was, uh, uh, oh, what was his name now? Who ran last time? I'm drawing a blank on the leader who said oh, we're going to cut 100,000 jobs. Tim Hudak. Tim Hudak, thank you. Uh, Tim Hudak gave a platform, and that didn't work well for him. The Liberals' platform has not worked well for them. The NDP isn't doing much. We're just going to ride this thing out because people hate the Liberals so much. We don't have to say anything. 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 Give me a top four buttons to push at rallies, not at debates or in studios like this one, they're going to avoid the media. No media bus? Really? I think we can see through why you're afraid that he's going to open his mouth and blow it, like Hudak did and like Tory before him blew it. Yeah. let You know, maybe we should examine religion in schools and how many school boards we have. Maybe we should take... Oh, John. Oh, John. Wow, Dalton McGinty jumped down that one and got himself another majority. So they're going to put him in a cocoon. They're going to push a button, and he's going to say, I'm firing Hydro One's president. Have a nice day. The thing that Doug Ford, if I was in Doug Ford's campaign office, if I was on his team, the answer that I would give of what he should be saying for the next however many days till the election is very simple. All the other parties can promise you this and this and this. You know we can't afford this. We are promising you nothing. In fact, all we're promising you is that there's going to be pain because we have to undo the damage Whoa. that has been done. No, no, no. You're, and you're off the campaign no, bus no. right and, now. And I may not use the you're word You're going pain. to be honest and say, we're going to Mike Harris you. No, no, no. I, I, I we're going to cause pain. I would probably edit my words before I put them out there. I would go through it. But my answer would be, we are not promising you all kinds of goodies because you know we can't do that. You know this province can't do This is what I'd be saying. Maybe We'd not use the like word pain. To We'd like to promise you. Prom, prom, we'd like, love we to can't. tell you what exactly we want to do and exactly how we're going to do it. But you know what? Until the the until we get our hands on the books, because you can see what they have that's, been doing see, for the, the last answer. 15 that's years. That's what they should be saying. Don't let Doug Ford, if I'm, again, if I'm the conservative. And I'm not going to get on the campaign no, no, for the No, no, but Tories. I don't want him, if I'm the conservatives, I don't want him making any promises because I think if, if I'm them, I think they can win without making promises. Well, he just promised to fight the opioid crisis. That was today's promise. Yeah, what does that mean? Well, it means that some money is going to have to be spent Everybody says they're going to fight the opioid crisis. 
but it was upon except us. for the opioid users, and even they probably would be fighting the crisis. No, I mean seriously, it's just the, the, it, there are certain things that you can throw out there that everybody is going to say, and they mean nothing. We want parents to be able to be consulted next time when it comes to sex ed in the schools. Again, have a nice day. Again, and so what does that mean? Well, what does it mean? It means nothing. It pushes a button. Yes. Yes. And and not the definition you gave out, which is correct, but it's that populist button that works. So, look, I can't stand Donald Trump. I think he's the worst thing that's ever happened to the world, not just the United States. But he sure got there smartly. Tiny, you know, every name in the book, lying, cheating Hillary, lock her up. It was all very, very simple stuff. And you know, the sad sad thing with what you say is, Tiny Marco Rubio. There was only one candidate the Democrats could have run that probably he could have beaten because all those things that he said, people believed and were applicable. If you had run someone who wasn't as unlikable as Hillary Clinton, he couldn't have got Bernie. away with those things. Well, And Donald kept getting up after the Democrats chose Clinton. Kept Poor Bernie. You know, great <laughs> ideas. Poor Bernie. Yeah. But again, pushing the right buttons. So I give him credit for getting elected. But this is a disaster that's unfolding. What we are seeing though in Ontario and what we're going to see again, if this is if this is button number one that has been pushed or card number one that has been played, uh, she did it nicely. It, it is going to be staggering, I think, to see, even though she's the one offering the warnings that this is going to get nasty, the implication is the nasty's coming from the other side. Yeah, that's the implication. I'm not like entirely, Donald Trump. I'm not entirely sure that that's true. I think the nastiness may be coming from every side, which is what nobody really, really wants to be thinking about. Because that is not... Who wants that in election? I mean, I guess that's where we're going, but who wants that? You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. For the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio... So, Doug, I, anyone who listens to this show with any regularity knows, I, I know I can be a broken record on this one a little bit, that I am a as close to a free speech absolutist as there is. I don't like what people say all the time. Sometimes I think what people say is dangerous, but I will fight for your right to say it, though I find it oftentimes offensive. I don't think that there's necessarily anything wrong with occasionally being offended. However, there are always times that make being such a little more challenging than others. And one of those happened this week. I don't know. I don't really care if people listening in this particular case were a fan of Barbara Bush or not. Barbara Bush was not the president. She passed away this week. By most, almost all accounts, whether you liked her husband and her son as president, she was a lovely woman. There is a professor, though, from Fresno State University who, upon Barbara Bush's death, didn't wait for five minutes before she starts getting on her Twitter machine and uh, writes this, uh, PSA, public service announcement, either you are against these pieces of bleep and their genocidal ways or you're part of this problem. That's actually how simple this is. I'm happy the witch is dead. Can't wait for the rest of the family to fall to their demise the way 1.5 million Iraqis have. Bye. And then it goes on and on and on. And she gets more and more brutal about her angry screed about Barbara Bush, not George Bush, not George W. Bush. And then 
caps the whole thing by saying, but I'm a tenured professor, so you can do nothing to me. So give me your best shot. Now, Mm. as I say, I believe in free speech, but what do you do? What does a school do? What does a company do? What are the rights for someone? Should, should we all, should people just say, well, that's fine. Let her say that. I don't care. Like, is there a place you say, well, that, you know, a school, a business, someone else should say, no, we don't accept that. What what should happen with something like that? Uh, Was she on a Fresno State computer using any kind of Fresno State hashtag? Did she bring it back on Fresno State? Uh, Well, she, in her Twitter thing, talked about how she was a tenured professor. So she brought in her profession. I don't know whether she said the name of the school, but talked about the, you can't do anything to me because I am tenured, therefore I'm protected. You see, if she hadn't said that, I would have said, like you, being a free speech pretty much absolutist, unless it's hate speech. Um, And to me, what she said is so inappropriate, so lame. Um, But however, it's not, it's free speech. I'm okay. If you want to call a a dead lady at 92 a witch, that's your prerogative. But don't shove it in our faces and say, I'm tenured and you can't touch me. Because if I'm Fresno State at that point, I'm going to find a way. I'm going to find a way. But what she said, opinion about Iraqis dying and the two presidents sending their troops to kill them, that's an opinion widely held by a lot of people, especially in Iraq. The tricky, the tricky part, the, the part that sort of adds to this, I guess, or makes it more complicated is I, I, I don't know, I don't know much about the socio-political views of those in Fresno. It's in California. I'm assuming it's largely left-wing and largely democratic and maybe people agree with her, but I guarantee that there are parents saying, wait a second, am I sending my kid to be in her class? Is this what they're learning? This is not... It, it, well, it, it but gets it's more complicated. It, was it her private account? Is that just her on Twitter wait, wait and sec, Facebook but, and saying what she wants and believes? Because I can go home, you can go home, and we'll find stuff. I almost said crap on the radio. We can find crap can we crap. totally <laughs> disagree with and yes. find to be offensive opinion. And when I see what is being put out there and I see what the source is and I follow the source to look and see who is spewing this that is being liked and commented on and repeated, it's disgusting what is out there. However, if she did it on a Fresno State computer sitting in her office at Fresno State just after she taught 20 young people, I'm, th- I'm thinking Fresno State has the right to go after her sorry tenured Thank you. We're going to continue with this because I'd love to know what would happen if, say, Doug Faraway on his private account were to say something like this, even though it's on his private account, though he is affiliated with Cable 14. Would Cable 14 say, ah, it's your private account? We'll discuss that when we return. Stay with us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. Free speech slash offensive things that are said. It was a professor at at Fresno State who literally within about 10 minutes of Barbara Bush's being announced that she had passed away, sending out, I think is vile too strong a word, 
um, just reprehensible. Repre- whatever. It's, just comments it's about nasty, and it's it's not called for. It's, yeah, that's, you got a problem with the politics and and Bush Senior and, and and you know, there was a president. Yeah, the two Bushes went to war. Okay, if you're op- opposed to war, there are people maybe listening right now uh, from the coalition opposed to any war anywhere on the planet Earth who live in Hamilton. Uh, that's your opinion. Good for you. Every, and I, you get to go on radio talk shows and give your opinion that you're anti-war. If she's anti-war, super. Barbara Bush didn't send anybody to war. And literally every president since probably about 19, since the turn of the 1900s has been involved in a war of some kind. Obama had drones that were dropping bombs all through his presidency. Bill Clinton sent cruise missiles into Libya. But Al-Qaeda's evil. Uh, they need to be eliminated. I, that's a whole other discussion. Oh, okay. But the the fact is, this is not unique that suddenly that they only are one the commanders in chief. So we get to the idea that if you say something, and and you and I have both agreed, and I, I I hope most people listening believe in the concept of free speech. But you and I agree that we are pretty close, as close to free speech absolutist as possible, unless it's a direct thing saying, "Please go out and stab so and so." Uh, if it's a hateful call to action right. to hurt someone, then it's that's hate f- speech. That's right. That is right. But if it's something that is simply offensive, I general oh, well, I can't think of the case where I don't say that's their right as a human. Now, yeah. the uh, issue I may though call is, them stupid. The issue but is we come out of media, and that's what we're trained. We're trained to listen to both sides until somebody steps over the the line that society has drawn. Our society has drawn a constitution that says you're allowed all of these rights. So that makes us a liberal left-leaning country versus a dictatorship somewhere in the middle of, oh, Syria. So I th- I'd like to think we're better, but we have established lines that we should not allow people to cross over if it endangers the lives of fellow citizens. Uh, and I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Now, she is a professor at a publicly funded university. Probably publicly funded. Well, Fresno State. Well, it's, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. Fresno State. It's oh, a... Uh, yeah. uh, so, Don't they already have Cal State? Like, so... If the school were to say, like I said before the break, I said if Doug Faraway went home on his private Doug Faraway Twitter feed and wrote something that was way over the top offensive... You work, you volunteer, but you work for Cable 14, but they would probably say, yeah, even though that's on your feed, you represent us Mm -hmm. and don't come to work tomorrow because we can't have you on our airwaves being that. It would be the same with me with the spectator or with 900 CHML. If I went out and said something way over the top crazy, there's a whole bunch of things you can say on the radio once. Even then, I think that even then those boundaries were broken in the seventies. I was trained never to swear. You never swear. You don't even say hell on the radio. Well, there were some well-known characters in the 70s on late-night radio, FM radio, by the way, who started using the F-bomb. Well, then it just became part of it. You got a guy by the name of Howard Stern who's made millions and millions and millions by dropping F-bombs in anything he wants on his radio program. But does he practice hate? I think he knows his limit. So when you look at someone like this, yes. 
does the school say, does the school have a right? Should we want the school to take action against someone like this? Or if you believe entirely in free speech, do you say, doesn't matter that she represents the school? On the basic principle that she challenged them and got in their face or everybody's faces, I would want them to challenge the basis of tenure. That's what I'd like to see challenged in the courts. The funny thing is, and you just touched on it, the funny thing to me is while I found her comments offensive, yes, which again, I'm okay with being offended, even though they were offensive and it showed her to be a very small person. This was, this was Scott, more, you don't have to read what no, she said. This was more indicative know. of something about her than it was about me or anyone else, I thought. But the you just hit on it. When she then says... Yeah, but you can't do anything because I'm tenured. That's when I actually got cranky and said the same thing you did. Well, let's test that theory then. Let's test tenure. Let's get the Attorney General in California to take a look at the language. I don't know what laws they have in California, uh, but let's go and test that because she's thrown it right in our faces. Yeah. Stupid, 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 but she has the right to be stupid. It is... We, we don't often, well, we, we do, let me back up. We do often <laughs> blanch at this and want people not to be able to say things that we find offensive or disagreeable. This to me is one of those perfect cases where you look and you say, if I really believe in free speech as a, as a, as an individual, I grant her and I say, it's okay for you to be on your Twitter account saying whatever you want to say. I may disagree. I may disagree strenuously, but you have the right to do that. But I don't know that she has the right within her school. I don't know that you can say her school doesn't have the right to say you don't represent us well. I wish she had. Okay, very quickly. I wish she had studied Barbara Bush's record. Republicans didn't like Barbara Bush because she stood up for women's rights on the issues of abortion, et cetera, et cetera. Barbara Bush went against the flow of the Republican Party in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Thank goodness for Barbara Bush. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show, weeknights from 6 to 8, only on 900 CHML. I know that uh, many people listening don't dislike a cold beer now and again. I'm I'm, I'm only guessing that there might be a person or two listening who occasionally has a beer, maybe has a glass of wine. We are in Hamilton. Hurry up, I gotta get home. The Supreme Court this week made of what I thought was a puzzling, baffling oh, ruling. Yeah, that, yeah. But yeah. but before we get to the yeah, ruling, yeah. I just don't even understand how this was a thing in the first place. So this guy who lives in where does he live? New Brunswick. He's New Brunswick. In New Brunswick. He's a, new, a retired New Brunswick guy. I believe he lives directly in Edmonston. I believe. Uh, he 160 kilometers in, in Tracadie, 160 okay. kilometers north of Moncton. Anyway, several times a year. He drives to Quebec to buy cases of beer and liquor because it's considerably cheaper in Quebec and then drives it home and I guess leaves it in his garage or basement, whatever, and he's good to go. And some time ago, he's driving it home and is stopped at the Quebec border where they find these cases of beer in his car, confiscated the cases of beer and liquor. Brutal. And sent him on his way because he was not permitted to carry them across provincial lines. Now, I've heard of people getting... He was fined as well. Yes. I've heard of people in the States getting charged with like transporting people across state lines, (laughs) minors or or whatever. Or dead bodies. Or dead bodies. (laughs) I had no idea that in Canada that it was illegal or that there were any kind of rules on transporting goods, even if it... I mean, okay, you know, cocaine, sure something like that, or a dead body. But to buy something legally in 
a province and take it to the next. First of all, where are the toll booths or the, 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 how did he get stopped at the border? We don't have places like that, like border guards between provinces. I, how is this even a thing? I didn't even know this was a thing, Doug, that we have the these QPP rules. QPP had their youngest and brightest observing these fairly regular trips to purchase alcoholic beverages, and they pounced. <laughs> well, they were. They pounced. <laughs> they were. They were spying on this guy. <laughs> yep. They got their guys sp- sp- sitting outside and, and watching. There goes this. that beaten old pickup truck from Truckadee, and, and yeah, who, that left three months ago <laughs> for a trip. So we better stick with them. I, I ha- did you know prior to this? Did you know that there were rules about taking stuff across well, provincial borders? This case has been going on for some time. Yeah, so I, I've read about this. But and prior to hearing about it, did you know there were rules about yeah, taking? Well, stuff? I knew there were interprovincial trade rules, but that's trade. Well, what's this? This is a person. This is an individual buying. I'm system. buying a legal product yes. in your province, and I'm bringing it home to consume it. Your retailer got the benefit of me purchasing in your province. Would this same thing have happened if he had gone to Costco in Quebec and bought 12 pairs of jeans? I don't think they would have stopped him for that. And it would be the same thing. But no, so. But this, you now you're talking about there, there is a Quebec liquor board, although yes. their liquor laws are just absolutely wide open and, and goody two shoes Ontario is only, you know, tiptoeing towards what Quebec has, which is every corner store, which is very handy to Ontario travelers making their way through Quebec and totally enjoying their experience. Yeah, Costco Where's the Quebec. closest corner Costco store? Costco in Quebec has beer and wine and I think hard liquor there as well. There you go. But, Look, you know, but I, did you know, before this happened, did you know that I, as a I knew private there were citizen- interprovincial barriers on trade, like milk, dairy products. You, you're, you're not going to find Ontario dairy products in Quebec. They're protected by Quebec legislation and vice versa. And I understand that. So if I have a large- uh, mon- no, monster truck, a large Mack truck or whatever, transport truck. If I go truck. and get 17 cases of milk- in Quebec, I will be stopped at the border. But if the best and youngest, brightest <laughs> QPP officers are aware of what you're doing. But see, I see those rules, and I think probably there he are did. cane. Well, right? I, but I, th- I, I, mean, would, really? I would see those as being okay. I've got a transport truck that is now taking 500 cases of beer to a store. But if I'm a private citizen, and I mean, I don't know how how fast he drinks 16 cases of beer, but he says he goes every few months. So let's say that's every four months and he goes through 16 cases. Mm-hmm. Is that a lot? Oh, it's still maybe yes. a lot, but but it doesn't sound like he's yep. buying this to resell. It's not such a huge quantity that he's looking to put it into a yeah. corner store and resell it. He argued that it was his right Personal under the use. Constitution, I believe, yes. uh, to, to do what he was doing. And I, 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 I heard the story on the radio the other day, and I went, are you kidding me? The Supreme Court of Canada ruled in favor of convicting this guy or allowing the conviction? Are you kidding me? Which presumably then means, if I understand this correctly, and maybe I don't because I haven't read the ruling, but as a general thing. What if you drove to Quebec, Scott? and drank 17 cases and then drove back. Well, no, but what if I went and I bought three cases from Costco because it was available at Costco and I, or I happened to go, my, my kid is in a sports tournament there ah. and I stop in at Costco and they have three cases of a type of beer that we can't get in Ontario. And I think, Hey, this is great. I'll bring Bredor. it home. Uh, Bread or there you yeah. go. And I, I'm, that's now illegal. 
Apparently. And and then I took it back to the hotel uh, where the, all the hockey parents were staying. And without any kind of liquor permit, uh, we opened up the hospitality room and we consumed the beer. But that's in Quebec, so you'd be fine. <laughs> that's fine. I don't have a permit. I just, I look at this <sighs> and I think, I, how do we, as a country, yeah. we're, we're lobbying for NAFTA. We're arguing that we need to keep NAFTA going because it's essential to our economy and yet we're not allowing free trade within our country. I would think that Justin Trudeau would be far more concerned with making sure that we have a, not NAFTA, but a FTA within our borders than worried about. I mean, I know the States is important, but. He didn't write the laws and the Supreme Court of Canada is enforcing the laws. I don't know how you managed to drag Justin Trudeau kicking and screaming into this discussion. Okay, pick a different prime minister. Whoever is going to be... I don't care that it's Justin Trudeau. Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper. Stephen Harper. Jean Chrétien. (laughs) Take whoever you want. I would think that whoever is prime minister at the time that a ruling like this happens would be really concerned now saying, wait a second, how is it that in our own William country... William Lyon Mackenzie King. Okay, I'll take He's him. not concerned at all, Sir my John friend. John A. Macdonald. And he consulted his mother before he made the decision. D- does it not Through shock- the occult. Does it not shock you, though, that we don't apparently have free trade in this country? I think that's just a stupid waste of time for the Supreme Court of Canada to be determining that Buddy from Trecadie could not take 17 cases of beer from Quebec and then consume them. Waste of time. But it is a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I, I would argue it's clearly a waste of time, but it changes, I would also think, a lot of stuff about what commerce can be done in this country because the very example I just gave. So if I am now a visitor from BC, not from BC, from Alberta who comes to Ontario for some reason and I want to buy a case of Niagara wine. Uh Uh-huh. Is a case, now wine, bottles of wine is, you know, is more than a case of beer. Can I not take a case of wine back? Well, where are you buying it? Well, I'm buying it in Ontario. Well, I don't know. Are you buying it at a winery? Uh, Maybe I'm going to a winery. There's different rules. But I can't take that back to BC now. I can't bring BC salmon to Ontario, presumably, unless I've caught it myself off the coast. I mean, I don't know. To me, I don't understand any of this. I don't understand what is now allowed to be taken from... If I buy a T-shirt in Montreal because I go to a Canadian's game, I'm just wondering why you're so passionate about this. How many regular trips do you make across the Blue Heron Bridge in Sarnia over to Port Huron? What are you purchasing there? there? I've been there once. What are you purchasing there on a regular basis? I, me, me, never. I never get out of this province. Unfortunately, uh, I mean, I love it here, but he's a workaholic. That's but what I it would, is. I would. Th- the problem I have with it is there are a lot of people who travel, and I just, I don't think it makes sense to anybody's business anywhere to say now, you can't take this out of our province, and if you do, you are subject to being pulled over and charged and having it confiscated and facing a fine. That to me makes no sense. Again, if it's a transport truck that is going for obvious resale. I suppose then you could have that discussion, but if it's a, just a person with their sedan that has a bunch of stuff in the back seat. No, I think it was a big old pickup. Well, okay. A pickup truck. Track I, okay. All they got in track With antlers friend. on the hood. I don't care. <laughs> it's, it just seems like if it's for personal consumption and it's not an illegal product. Notice I didn't call you my best friend. I no, that's true. Said, we can't say that. Yeah. We can't say that because somebody would be hurt. Will through the glass would be hurt because, yes. you know. No, I, I, I would hope that this thing is something that doesn't 
stand, well, where do you appeal after the Supreme Court? You have to make a new law. You have to write a law that would change this, I guess. I guess that's how it would work, but I'm hoping they're going to do that because it just, it seems like we have things, and maybe we're veering in a different way here, but we have things that come up in our Supreme Court every once in a while, and you go, really? As you just said, that that's a case? That's something, the American Supreme Court turns down so many things that yeah. you say, oh, they should probably hear that. Oh, no, they're not going to hear that one. Yeah, they've had nine petitions, and they're not going to hear seven of them because they're frivolous or whatever. And But we're going to hear these two. But we're going to hear this thing. Because they're important to law to hear these two. This is the most important thing that the Supreme Court of Canada had to deal with? It came in early on a Monday. <laughs> what are we? Huh? We you must know. be, this must be a utopian country. If this is the biggest issue we have, we don't have an abortion law for or against. We don't have good terror laws for or against about who can come in this country, but transporting 16 cases of beer from Quebec to New Brunswick, that we can hear. That we have time for. Wow. Because it goes back to interprovincial trade. And there I just, are laws that are written. I hope that the New Brunswick, New Brunswickers, New Brunswickites, what do, what do you call someone, a New Brunswicker? I hope they just shut down the Quebec border now. Nothing from New Brunswick Build is a alive. wall and Mexico Build will pay wall. for it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no New Brunswick beer is going into Quebec ever. That's right. We're boycotting. Look what's happening on the Alberta-British-Columbia border. They've got trade and they have trade agreements. Well, guess what? You don't want my bitumen? I don't want your Okanagan wines, okay? This, though, would, would Doug, would this, it's, and it's a great thing you bring this up, would this not suggest that Alberta has all the right in the world to say, BC, you are not entitled to any of our oil? I don't care if your gas prices go up to $700 a liter. You cannot have a drop Even of Alberta oil. Even if it's to Seattle or Portland to be refined. You cannot have it a It ain't dr- going to happen. This would seem to allow open that door to Alberta to squeeze BC pretty hard to make that pipeline go through because you can't touch our gas. Well, and they're squeezing. And uh, what laws are they operating under? Federal law. Which doesn't seem to trump provincial laws now. Don't bring up Trump. To top provincial laws now. Provincial laws seem to be what works. I, I, I'll be fascinated to see That's if why Alberta... That's by the time you and I talk again, Trudeau and the Liberals have to act on the uh, Kinder Morgan pipeline. They of course they do. Act. Of course they and do. they will act. And maybe it won't be environmentally friendly to a lot of people, but it has to uphold federal jurisdiction. Well, they have or to else act, it's going to be the wild, wild west. They have to act one way or the other. They either have to say we are for it and we're going to make it go through or we're against it and we're going to stop it. But you can't let a province dictate. Exactly. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. There was discussion this week, Doug. It was it was thrown out there as, a, uh, as an idea that, hey, maybe it's time in Canada to have a guaranteed income for everybody in this country. Everybody makes a certain amount of money no matter what. It will cost us a minimum of 43 billion, 47 additional billion, 43, pardon me, 43 additional billion, but might potentially help with poverty. It's a theory, so we don't know for sure how this would work. What do you think about the idea of a guaranteed income? Whether you work, whether you don't work, whether Mm -hmm. you make a lot of money, a little money, everybody is going to make a certain amount. Uh, the concept's been around for a long time. Yes, it has. I would say at this point in time, I'd want to wait and see what the benefits or the pitfalls were of the basic income project that's uh, going on in Hamilton 
uh, and uh, I, I believe it's Thunder Bay. Uh, there's three communities in the province. Hamilton was chosen because of our obvious poverty situation, 90,000 people living below the poverty line. And uh, the agencies in town uh, basically helped out the province uh, by uh, specifically choosing people who come to their agencies. And many of them are on Ontario Works. Many of them are ODSP. And which having, are, sorry, which is what? Uh, disability. Okay. Pension. Long term. This is like many... So many of the cases... Who can't work. Uh, who can't work. And uh, trust me, uh, when I was out doing home deliveries for neighbor to neighbor in December, people know that I was there for three years, so I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. When you go and do those deliveries, y- you're, you're looking at folks who are stuck in their situation for a very, very... Well, for life. For life. Like amputees in wheelchairs paying rent, and their only money is ODSP. Well, basic income has just given those people a bit of a life, a bit of a life. So guaranteed income, guaranteed income. I don't know what it's going to look like. What is the income per city that you can live as a single and not be in poverty? In Hamilton, it's around $24,000. So if they were guaranteeing $24,000 in Hamilton, so people were not living in poverty, so people had a few extra bucks to go to the corner store and help the economy, I would look at it seriously. Obviously, in Vancouver, a guaranteed income would not be $24,000. To be able to live in affordable housing in Vancouver would be much more difficult, and we don't have to look to Vancouver. Well, we just have to look down the QEW. And to go to small-town northern Ontario, not, not northern-northern, but 24000 would be a la- not a lavish lifestyle, but much more than it would be in Toronto. You, so here's the thing. You bring up the, the people who are on these long-term disability situations – I don't think too many people look at that and say, you know, I would like to keep them in poverty. I think I mm-hmm. think that the vast majority of people would look at someone who has a severe disability, a life-altering, not getting better kind of disability, and says, you know what, I don't have a problem with them getting a lot more than the minuscule amount they get right now. I, I Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think there's too many people that are looking at this saying, yeah, I really want them to stay press down. Yep. The flip side is, and I think where we have to separate the two is, I think where a lot of people would have an issue and where I frankly have doubts about a program like this is if you are a fully capable adult who is able to work, how does this work? If you are in a wheelchair, if you've got something that mm-hmm. you can't go do it, I want you to have the guaranteed income. I'm okay with that. But if you're capable of working and for whatever reason, choose not to, don't want to, aren't trying too hard to get a job, and I don't know how what percentage that is, that's where I think the questions come in on this thing. Yeah, and, 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 and I could generalize and, and draw the caricature of who you're talking about right now. And we can go into downtown Hamilton and go, hmm, uh, yeah, right, okay, this is your life. Um but we don't know what their life is. We don't know. We don't know if that person who's panhandling, uh, who could probably use an extra little bit of income, uh, has mental health issues or not and is unemployable. We don't know. We know that they're forever. Like my parents could talk about it. There, There's systemic welfare, in, in, and I don't know what the percentage is, but there are just people who are users. 
There are people who are just users. I like to believe the majority of people who are living below poverty are struggling every day to get out. I'd, I'd like to believe that. And so this guaranteed income, that would help those people get out of poverty and be valuable to the rest of society, generating income, generating taxes, generating property taxes, helping the city instead of uh, the users. So, uh, you know what? Let me, are, let me throw another idea at there you. There are users out there who will always use because that's their DNA. Let me throw another sure. suggestion at you. What about the idea? And I've, I've bounced this one around in my head for a long time. And uh, I'm going to be very frank. I don't know if I'm being mean when I suggest this idea. I don't think I am. But if you don't have a disability that prevents you from working, we demand that for you to get your guaranteed income, you have to work. We don't care where you work. If you are flipping burgers at a fast food place, if you're sweeping someone's lawn or cutting their grass, you must work. And here's what we're going to do. You have to work and we will supplement the amount you make to bring you up to that level. So you can still make the guaranteed income that we're saying you're going to get, but not for sitting at home. You you have to do something to be a constructor contributing member of society. Doug Ford's handlers are just go Doug, we got another great idea but is for that, you. Is that, a, is that a crazy or is that a mean-spirited no, it's, idea? It's, it's not crazy, but it's, Scott, it's been around forever. But the idea has always been to get welfare, you have to work. But the problem has been that sometimes the work doesn't pay you as much as the welfare. So Mike, what's the... Mike Harris tried this in the 90s. He said the very same things. I would like to paint a picture of, say, a faraway who didn't have a job and government created work by creating the Sherman Cut. Created work in the dirty 30s so that people could earn something instead of standing in soup lines. And all kinds of people who were out of work, didn't have jobs, took those jobs and worked their butts off. That's who I'd like to think of, people who lived in poverty, but when there was opportunity given to them by government to work, took it. Not because they were forced to take it, but because they wanted to take it. I want to believe in that good segment of the population. Well, I think we all would. And, I think we and, all would. And, and, but you are suggesting maybe there is um, an opportunity here to show me your pay stub. No, that's not good enough, buddy. Get out there. Let's go. No, no I think that most people, given a choice, would happily work. I think most people would like to. But you said there are people who are also takers who will... We've got scammers and schemers. We got guys who live off the proceeds and the sweat of their girlfriend who don't pay anything towards their upkeep, but don't mind having the couch or the bed to sleep in. Scammers and schemers. People who go to, and I've heard it personally, who would go to an agency, get what they can get because they're not showing a pay stub, who are then on their cell phone on the property of the agency making a phone call. Yeah, we'll be there Thursday to do that work for you because it's cash under the table. Users, schemers, scammers, they're everywhere. That's not going to change, and you're not going to get them to work. You're not because they want to find a way around uh, well, no, and, the rest and, of us. And you're right with that. You're right with that, that there will, uh, I know there will be people. I, you're never going to get everybody. You're never going to get everybody engaged in it. 
I like to believe, as I say, that most people, for those who who, who absolutely are disabled or have some yeah, yeah. challenge, they want to help those people. The, the other thing, we got to go. The other thing that I have question about this guaranteed income I think is- the bad guys may have scored. I'm uh, not sure. I don't we got to check on that. It's, no, it's uh, since we met last mentioned that the Bulldogs are up 2 nothing. That was what, five minutes ago? Yes. It's now 5 nothing Hamilton in the first oh, period. Oh my golly. How did they do that? They were penalty killing. Uh, they scored oh. shorthanded and then they scored two more. It is, uh, this is- Quite unbelievable what's going on. Anyway, the Why other thing about this. your eyebrows go up so you could indicate I have that no I eyebrows. Can't you see that? <laughs> <laughs> My kids always joke that I don't have eyebrows. I'd... That's right. They stretch all the way to the um, back of your head there. Look at that gap. Uh, wow. I, the other thing about the guaranteed income, we don't have time to talk about this right now, but to, to think about is if everybody suddenly gets a, at the bottom end, gets a raise, how do we, does this not just create inflation? Because now the restaurants are going to say, hey, we can charge a little more. We got to pay more for our taxes, for everything else. I'm not sure that- Question. Ult- yes. Where is it being applied today? I'm thinking the Nordic countries. It, yes. Do we have? I, yes? I think they I think they do. I don't know where it does today. Let me see if there, anything's written there's here. some of the most heavily taxed, but That's, have the most benefits, but it hasn't impacted on their work ethic. And I, I, I would w- take a wild guess and say Sweden or Finland. Yeah, and and you know that question about the work ethic, I would love. I it's such a it's such a difficult thing. It's such a deep one. If it's a generational thing, if this has been in place for three or four or five generations, then maybe that's just you've grown to have this work ethic and things have changed. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I just I am. I, I am really torn on the concept. I, I, I say there are some parts of it that I think I, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. And there's other parts that I'm really torn on the idea of, does this in fact inspire people to work? Well, it goes against a kind of principle that we've grown up, right? In our Judeo-Christian you earn, work ethic You earn society. what you work for. Exactly. And that was drilled into us. And that to me- You don't ulti- get ahead unless you go and work for and it. And that to me is the is really the thing, I, the thing I struggle with. The bottom line on this is not to be not generous, but does this discourage or take away some of the incentive for people to claw themselves up or to get themselves better? There are some who can't. There are some who can't. There are others who I believe could, and I don't know if this- de- deters that? I don't know the answer uh, to that question. I've seen question. too many people and heard too many stories of people who've gone to agencies for whatever reason, who wanted nothing more than to claw their way back and held down two, three jobs. And we know we live in a precarious work society, contract to contract to contract, not like the good old days. So I, I still believe that Canadians have a terrific work ethic and don't want to be in the circumstances they're in. And if we gave them a boost... Jolly good for us. You're listening to The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8. Only on 900 CHML. But we are talking about hockey, though. And uh, I said before the break that Doug was wearing a shirt. He's wearing a uh, a Davy Keon Captain's Toronto Maple Leafs t-shirt, which... My children got me for Christmas a couple of oh, years look, ago I, I, look, because he's my favorite, as he favorite Maple Leaf all time. As he should be. He shares many things in common with you, including a hairstyle today. Uh, That's hurtful. Ah, well, I'm, I'm the pot calling the kettle black. But here's the thing, you know, we could the, Red use so- them. the Red Sox have won three World Series since whenever, 2003. The Cubs have now won a World Series. 
Are the Maple Leafs, are the fans of the Maple Leafs at this point now the most tormented fans in the sports world? I can't think of a team whose fans are more tormented. The Leafs look like they're going to lose to Boston in this series. I mean, they could still win the next three, but it doesn't look likely. Is there a fan base more tormented than Leaf fans right now? Oh. And if so, who? I can't think of. I mean, you could argue the St. Louis Blues because they... The Cleveland Browns. Oh, Thank oh, you. Oh, okay. All right. I found one. That you did. You did. Cleveland Before Browns. the Super Bowl was created in 66, the Browns won the NFL title in 64 with the great number 32. Jim Brown. Jimmy Brown out of Syracuse. Yes, I found a team. You Worse did. off than the Maple Leafs. Okay. Thank you very much. I give you that. I, I you. had not thought of them, but yes, you're right. But in baseball, I don't think there can be one. I don't think there's any team in baseball that would fall into that category. I mean, Houston even now has a, has a World Series. They were one of the last ones. Yes. Uh, in uh, I can't think of basketball. A team. I mean, who in the NBA? I, the Clippers, maybe, but the Vancouver Grizzlies. <laughs> oh, sorry, they moved. It is just staggering to me that even when things begin to look like they're heading in the right direction well, for the Leafs, t- and now they've got time Think still. of two other teams, though, in the NHL who came into the league together in 1970. Neither of them have won the Stanley Cup. Buffalo. Buffalo had a toe in the crease. Bye-bye, Buffalo. Yeah, and who was the other one? Vancouver. And Vancouver, yeah. And St. Louis came in in, in 68, or six, fall of 67, and they've never won a Stanley Cup. They got to the finals twice. That was the team that Bobby Ho- Bobby Orr scored against. Yeah, exactly. With the flying goal. So, yeah, they had the... But yeah, I don't think and that... they but, didn't win a game in those finals. But the difference is, if you're talking about St. Louis, St. Louis is incredibly passionate about the Cardinals and hugely passionate about their football team as it comes and goes. <laughs> they are... I don't know that you would look at St. Louis and say, that is a town... They like the Blues. I don't think that's a town you say, they live and die with the Blues. Uh, Vancouver, yes, sure, but it's not been as long as the Leafs. Uh, and who was the other one you said? Buffalo. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, mean, if there's a city that is tormented more than almost anybody with the Super Bowls and everything else, it might be Buffalo. But boy, I mean, the Leafs are, if that's who we're talking about though, the Cleveland Browns, the city of Buffalo and Vancouver, Toronto is in some pretty Pretty. rarefied air of tormentation. Uh, And and, and I would have thought- well, and, and, you know, if we're going to break down Tormented the team, to. it's like uh, they need a stud defenseman. Yes. Uh, they've got a couple of, of really good guys who can move. In fact, they have three young movers of the puck, but they don't have that dominating stud-like defenseman. The Drew Doughty, who they could trade for and take on a new contract because they're going to get rid of a bunch of guys who are chewing up a bunch of dollars. Yeah, unless Vancouver gets to him first because they won't have the Sedins to pay anymore. Drew Doughty is, you know... Well, Drew Doughty is now, what, 29-30? Yeah, and he'll want eight years... Easy. ...at maximum money. As long as Lou Lamarillo is in the box above the ice, that ain't going to happen. No. But I look at Leaf fans, and I just... I, I, there comes a point when... Now, they've been down this road. I was going to say where they, where they say, just... Try it. They've been down the road. They did the year with Owen Nolan and Brian Leach and and uh, 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 what's his name from uh, Carolina. Um, yeah, yeah, Ron Francis. Ron Francis, who were all in their early seventies at that point, and <laughs> that didn't work out. And now there's a salary cap, and so the last thing you want is to make a stupid move that you get a guy like a uh, Chris, uh, not like a, uh, a Shea Weber, who Montreal picked up. 
who looks to be beginning to end up on the part of that hill that you don't want to be on. And he's got another five or six years left of enormous Didn't money. did Price just start an eight-year contract? No, I believe that's this year coming up that it's, I think. Maybe it was last year, but I think it might be this year that it starts. <laughs> Or, or it was last year, but even so, I mean... Who signed that deal on behalf of the organization? Yeah. Because if even if he's gone, he should be hunted down and fired again. Or is it the current guy who no, should well, be fired? Oh, no, it's Mark Bergevin. It's Mark Bergevin, who's the current wow, guy. Wow, How can he still be the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens? Well, let me Canadians tell you a funny story. Because my son wants him fired. Let me tell you a funny Fire story about now. Mark Bergevin. We weren't going to talk about the Canadians, but... Mark Bergevin, three, uh, the last year that the Bulldogs farm team was in Hamilton, Mark Bergevin came to a game and I had a chat with him because the Bulldogs for the last four years of their time in Hamilton as a farm team were atrocious. They were a joke. They were absolutely abysmal. And I had a conversation with Mark Bergevin and I basically said, like, what are you doing about this team? And he, you know, gave the usual general manager yeah. talk. And I asked about Sylvain Lefebvre, who was the coach at the time, who was just fired this week, by the way, as their farm team coach after six putrid years. (laughs) And he said, well, it's not Sylvain's fault because he has to coach the manner of Michel Therrien, who at that time was the coach of the Canadians. We demand that Sylvain Lefebvre coach the style of the big club so that if a player moves up, he can do it well. So I thought this week when Sylvain Lefebvre was fired. And isn't that what the Marlies are doing? Kind feeding, of, kind of, but feeding it, the leaves. But I thought this week when Sylvain Lefebvre was fired. So if you forced your farm team coach to coach a style that wasn't his style, that forced him basically to fail, and then is he really the guy that should be getting fired because your team stunk for six straight years? And you've got the Shea Weber contract, you've got the Carey Price contract. I'm thinking Montreal's general manager has to have photos of somebody because he just keeps dodging these mm-hmm. firings and somehow clings to his job. And you don't want, if you're a Leaf fan, Lou Lamorello going all Mark Bergevin and making desperation moves. But at the same time, if you're a Leaf fan, I think you're at the point where you're thinking, "We come on, we've got the, some pieces in place here. Let's find that defenseman. Let's find that guy so we don't get beat up by Boston again next year. Why do we think Nashville is odds-on to win the West? Because they they've got great defense. studs on well, their three. defense. Three, really. Yeah, and Ryan Ellis is the third. Yeah, that's what I mean. So, How do you trade P.K. Subban? How do you trade him? You Because um, they were looking for a different kind of player it, yeah. that doesn't fit the style of the rest of the team. If you're a Leaf fan, it's just it's tough. I, I, I'm, I'm hoping no, for the no, Leaf fans. No, no, if you're a Leaf fan, you're at least getting to Game 5. Montreal has already gone to the Caribbean. I was going to say they've already been golfing, but no, they haven't. There's snow on the ground still. The Scott Radley Show. The Scott Radley Show. Weeknights from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML.